just in case we felt at ease, to remind us again that we live on a fault line and that there's going to be a big earthquake one of these days. You may feel obligated to remind us of that, just in case we get relaxed. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, you know, but, but imagine if that happened. That would dramatically change our lives. Dramatically. Uh, sickness. You can't control sickness. I mean, we try to with our diet and, and the like, but at the end of the day, things happen to people that you just can't control. Uh, for sure, you didn't control who your parents were and the family that you grew up in or the lack thereof. You, we don't control these things, do we? And so when you think about our life, there's really hardly anything that we're controlling. Uh, I think that our life is, is more, uh, for those of you who are into computers, is more like an Apple product. Somebody says I look like uh, Steve Jobs today, so. But, uh, <laughs> but I even got the, but uh, <coughs> anyways, didn't mean to. But that maybe our life is, is more like an Apple product than a Microsoft product. You know, people who are into Microsoft say, well, I like to kind of get behind the presentation and tweak things, and, and it gives more flexibility. Apple, you just kind of get what you get. Maybe life is more like that. But the idea is, is that maybe we're not in control of our life as much as we'd like to be. This is especially true when we consider our, our human DNA. That if you, each of us trace um, our lineage back to the, the first human, to, to Adam and Eve, there is inside of us a, a, a DNA that is stained by sin, that, that is rooted in a decision that somebody made thousands and thousands of years ago, and we're still paying the consequences of that decision. That each one of us has inherited a sin nature, and it's unavoidable. You can try to manage that and compensate for that and think really, really positive thoughts about yourself, and that's a good thing to do uh, as well. But at the end of the day, you're always fighting against natural inclinations that you were born with. Uh, now, in a sense then, we're all victims of things that are beyond our control. Now, what's really, I really appreciate about Canada is Canada has real sympathy toward victims, uh, whether it's refugees or people who live in the street or whatever it is, there is in, in Canadian culture a deep desire to care for victims, almost to a fault, where sometimes it goes, it, in my mind, at least it goes a little bit too far, and it seems like it kind of keeps people stuck there. But, uh, but I appreciate the idea of a, of a government saying there are things that are out of your control, and we want to be able to help with that. That's good. But what I have a problem with is often the advice that then comes after that, that uh, the solution that seems to be given is actually the original problem. What was the original problem? What was the decision that, that Adam made all those years ago that we're still paying for? And it's simply this. He took control. He said, uh, through the temptation of the enemy, that I don't want to trust God to lead my life. I don't want to entrust myself to him. I want to take control of my life. I want to do what I think is best. Now, uh, we're still paying for the choice of independence that 
Adam and Eve made all those years ago. But somehow, in our society, it's been spun as a virtue. That if, if, if you feel like a victim, how do you get out of being a victim? You take responsibility for your life. Don't blame other people. Do something about it. Everybody goes, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, January, yeah, I've got to take more responsibility for myself this year. Uh, but actually, as we take responsibility, we're actually agreeing with Adam's original sin. That the decision he made, we actually would have made because we're making it today. That we think the solution to our problems, to being a victim of our circumstances, is to take more control. And where this leads us is to actually uh, worsen our genetic disposition towards sin. As we become proud and independent and self-protected and doing what pleases us, we become actually more sinful, not less, thereby, thereby approving Adam's original decision. So what is God's solution? If God's solution is not simply take responsibility for yourself, what is his solution? And it's simply this, and we want to be able to unpack this word today, and it's genetics. Genetics, what an interesting thought. He talks about this in Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 21. We're just going to look at two verses. Here's what it says. Consequently, just as, oh, thank you, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so, all, so this is one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. That's referring to Adam. Adam made one decision to eat fruit. There was only one command that he was given. Don't eat from that tree. Do anything else you want. Just don't do one thing. But no, he goes and does that. So uh, that one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. So you and I are still suffering from a decision that he made all those years ago. We're victims of that decision, all right? So also, one act of righteousness, or one righteous act, resulted in justification and life for all people. What is that one act? Jesus dying on the cross. Now, what's interesting is that uh, to admit one allows you to receive the other. So if we admit that we're a victim, we actually then uh, can receive a better help through Jesus. If you admit you have a problem, Jesus comes and says, yeah, you didn't deserve that, but nor do you deserve what I'm going to be giving you. I'm going to be giving you eternal life. And if you let yourself be a victim, in a sense, you'll be able to receive the life that I want to give you. Uh, let's go on. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace, this empowering presence, might reign to make us righteous, to bring us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Mary is proof of this idea of genetics. Mary had a number of children, all of them except one, that Mary is the mother of Jesus, all of them were just as sinful as she was except one. And what made that one child unique is that Mary was impregnated from, if I can use this language, a divine gene pool. That, that there was a, a different kind of DNA was put into her that produced a different kind of child, a righteous child, a sinless child. 
So what does it then mean to be saved? It means to be born again from a sinless gene pool. Now, I think this is just a really big deal. Because sometimes I think that the way that we, uh, that we view Christianity is, uh, or the way that we get saved, is that Jesus is going to give us some help to become better people. Well, that's true. That's part of what grace is. But uh, more than that, he's actually uh, giving us his blood, his DNA, that puts inside of us a different gene pool. So this language of being born again is very helpful language. That when you were first born, you were born into a gene pool that has a propensity towards sin. The only way that you get out of that problem is actually to have a new DNA, to, to be born again with a different set of genes that has a propensity now toward righteousness. That's the depth of what salvation is. Not just a bit of help, it's a brand new reforming of the very fabric of who we are. This is absolutely remarkable. Um, Dallas Willard, I've been listening to, uh, to a course that he taught at Regent a few years ago. I'm really, really enjoying it. And one of the things that he says is that people who uh, are unimpressed or who, who don't consider salvation, the primary reason why they don't think about it or think it's very important is because they've not taken seriously the depths of our sin. It just requires a bit of improvement, you know, just work on a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and pray, of course. But that's insufficient for the problem. The only uh, appropriate help is to actually be born again with a different DNA. And this is what salvation is. Now, those of us who call ourselves Christians, this is an amazing thought that, that you can, simply receiving by faith the life of Jesus, can change you from the inside out. This is amazing. But if you've been a Christian for longer than a minute, you know that there's a reality that says that we're still struggling with that old DNA, that old gene pool that we're a part of. And so we live now in this in-between time, there's going to come a time when our sin nature dies. And it's actually going to be a glorious moment. We're going to be finally freed from that old nature, and all that will remain is that new birth DNA where we get to live with God forever. It's going to be absolutely incredible. But now, before it dies, we live in this tension between being full of the Spirit of God and what Christ has done in us, and full of our sin nature that came through Adam. So how do we uh, experience victory over our sin nature now? I'd like to offer to you two things. Number one is we admit that we are victims of our sin gene. I'm using Romans 5.14 to uh, support this. That's actually where it came from. It says this. Now, now I, this is a little bit tricky, so just follow me, that death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. Now, 
uh, what Moses represents is a time in human history when law was given. Uh, law was given to the people of Israel. Before that time, there was no law written down. So between Adam and Moses, you actually didn't have a law to point out how you were sinning. But it says that even during that time, when you don't know that you're actively sinning, you're still under the curse of death. What that's telling us is that there's something actually in your very nature that is corrupted, not just in your actions. In order to receive this salvation requires that we admit that we are victims of our very genetics. It requires that we admit that we are not in control. Now, I want to ask you, uh, are you okay with that? Are you okay with the idea that you are not in control? Is that offensive to you? Or is it good news? I've already you know, told you, for me, that's just really hard for me. I've, uh, I've picked sports uh, to participate in where sometimes I fall. Mountain biking, you fall quite a bit. Sometimes playing ball hockey. Now, if, uh, if I've gone for a bike ride with you and I fall, and if you're going to be a nice person, you're going to say, here, uh, you know, love to help you up, and you extend your hand, uh, I won't take it. Because I'll go, I'm fine, thanks. Sure, I fell, but I can get up. I mean, it's not that bad. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Somebody's just being nice to me. And I'll go, no, 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 I'm okay. I can get up. It's just a moment of weakness, I'll be fine. <clears throat> I hate being out of control. I just hate it. And the only way I'm going to be saved is if I admit that I'm a victim. A victim of something that is literally impossible for me to change. I can't change it. The only way that you are going to be set free from a sin gene is to admit that you're a victim of genetics and the only way that you will be able to change is if somebody injects into you a new gene pool that will cleanse you, make you whole, and give you eternal life. But you won't be able to receive that unless you admit that you're a victim of it. And so you have told you, I think every day, that your primary problem is you're not trying hard enough. And Jesus comes along and says, that is not your primary problem. Your primary problem is that you try too much. I was talking to a guy today uh, from another, uh, not today, sorry, this last week, from, uh, from a, a city in, in the States. And uh, we had a, just a great talk. I was interviewing him on some things that I'm, I'm studying. And then he speaks to me, I believe, prophetically. And he says, I think that what God is going to, say to you when you die is, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You did way more than I asked you to do. <laughs> well, thanks, I think. <laughs> he, says, uh, he says, you strike me as somebody who over-functions 
and does more than what God calls you to do. I think that's true. Is that you? My greatest fear is that I would stand before God and he would tell me that I was lazy. It's one of my greatest fears. He could tell me all kinds of things, just don't tell me that I'm lazy. And so the gospel, the Christian message, is actually an offense to me. It offends me. And unless I absorb that offense and admit that my very DNA is flawed, and unless I'm injected with a free gift of new life, of being born again, very appropriate language, I can't be saved. No matter how hard I work, I will never be saved. Are you comfortable with that? And then the second point is the opposite. It's just... So the first point is admitting we are victims of our sin gene. The, uh, the second is admitting that his grace gene that he freely gives us frees us from being victims. It's the exact opposite. According to, uh, to Romans, again, chapter 5, verses 17 and 21, I've just mashed the two together, and it uh, says this, God's abundant provision of grace can reign in our choices, meaning that we can choose righteousness. That after this injection of a new DNA, this, uh, this grace gene that God freely gives to us through the work of Jesus, that we actually are now empowered to not be victims and to make godly, righteous choices. So, th so this is the, the opposite of the first point. That we can actually, by the grace of God that has been injected into our very hearts, enables us to choose righteousness always. So the question here then is, are you okay with that? Because to be okay with that means that you and I no longer have an excuse for our ungodliness. Well, that's no fun. I mean, I'd much rather stay on the first point and say the devil made me do it. It's Adam's fault or whoever else. I kind of like that. But, but, but through this new birth, I have now available to me a, a spiritual power that enables me to always choose righteousness. Now, of course, I won't do that perfectly any more than you will. But that power is fully available as a free gift given to us through Christ. And so, are you okay with that? Are you okay that Jesus removed all of our excuses of sinfulness. And the next time you do something that violates a relationship with God or others, that you would have the humility to say, I didn't have to do that. I simply chose it out of my willful and stubborn heart. In conclusion, um, uh, looking at these, these two questions, I'd like to, to ask you about both of them. 
Have you ever admitted to God that you're a victim? Uh, this is called becoming a Christian. That what you do is you admit to God, uh, I have a DNA that I can't fix. I'm a victim of it. And I don't need good advice. I need a new heart. I need a new blood flowing through me to save me. And I'm asking that your blood, your shed blood on the cross, would replace my own, that I could have a new heart and a new life that would be with you for eternity. Have you ever prayed something like that? Today could change the rest of your life. Today, God invites you to receive his salvation, to admit that you're a victim, and to let yourself be saved with a new birth. I was, uh, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, I just hate labels, but anyways, it's just a way to talk. But this, this refugee that now has come to, to live with, with uh, Debbie and I and our family. And I think about, I think about Simon, and uh, he escapes from Eritrea uh, through a series of horrendous circumstances, ends up in Israel, gets befriended by some Christians there, uh, but really, he, he was still living there. He couldn't stay there. And what he needed, he was a, he's a, like, he is a genuine victim. He didn't decide to be born in Eritrea. He didn't, he didn't decide who the dictator would be. Like, he's a victim. And so he manages to actually escape, but he's still a victim. And what he needed is he needed a group of Canadians to be an advocate for him and to give him a new passport, a new identity, a new culture, a new nation. He needed that. There was no, there's no other way unless somebody decided from Canada, and there's a, there's a group of five of us, not very heroic, but it's a bit, and we decided to be an advocate for him. And based on our advocacy, he could become a citizen of a new nation. And, and God invites you to become a citizen of heaven through the advocate of Jesus Christ, giving way more than a group of five did, an actual injection of the, of the, of the gene pool that allows you to be part of that Eternal kingdom, incredible, incredible. So is that you? Do you need to t today admit that you're a victim and that you need outside help? Is that your primary issue? Or do you need to admit today that you're not a victim, that you have been born again, that you have been given a new heart, a new DNA, that is far stronger than any sinful temptation that has ever come your way. Far stronger. For Christ conquered sin and death through his work on the cross, giving us an eternal gift of grace. Is that you today? Do you need to give up your excuses in order to receive grace? The first group needs to admit they're victims. The second group needs to admit they're not.
and then say, the grace of God is sufficient for me. And I receive again that salvation that enables me to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. I'd like us, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because this is a big deal. This is saving grace. This is what it's all about. And whether it's being a victim or not being a victim, this is an important day for you and I. And so can we stand together as the worship team comes forward? Father, today I pray that you would give us the grace to be saved, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the hundredth time, but that you would give us grace again to be saved. So Father, for the, for the first group, would you just please speak to people's hearts right now? And would you highlight to those people those who need to admit that they're not in control and they need to be saved. Father, I pray that you would give to those who are struggling with needing you the grace to open their hands, to open their hearts, and to say, I need help. Not just some advice I need, to be, I need to be saved. I need a new heart. I need to become a citizen of a better kingdom. And I can't get in on my merit. Oh, Father, now in this moment, would you give that group of people the grace to need you, to cry out to you, and to receive a new DNA, a new gene pool, a grace gene. And Father, I ask now for another group, and maybe there's overlap, but for another group that says, uh, no, I'm still a victim. I've received, I've received that new blood, but I'm still a victim. Oh, Father, would you give those of us in that group the courage to repent and to say, your grace is sufficient to conquer sin and death. Your grace is sufficient. And so I receive again a salvation that enables me to choose righteousness. If that's you, I encourage you, it doesn't have to be physically, but if, if that helps you with your hands and with your heart to receive grace again. To say, I want to be saved today from feeling victimized by my sin nature, by the enemy. No, I've been made new through the work of Jesus Christ. You get to receive that today. Oh, 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 oh,